while we are making our way back to uh, our seats, I just want to say a word of um, love and joy, uh, as she probably won't like this, but Ann Steger is celebrating her 80th birthday today. She's back there in the back. Yes. So cool. And uh, Anne has had such a significant role in the shape and the life of this congregation over many, many years, and in particular, our music ministry. So praise God for you, Anne, and thank you for all you've done to help us worship God, keep God at the center. Yeah. So I want to ask you something. Um, Can you imagine Jesus singing? No? Now that's sad, isn't it? Do you think Jesus liked to sing? You know, we know Jesus did sing, not because we have it captured on YouTube or anything. We know that he did sing. And how do we know that he sang? So I want you to lean forward and pull out this book because in the middle of it is his hymnal. All right, so pull out this book. I want you to open it right in the middle. In the middle, you will find the book of Psalms, 150 prayers. I want you to look right at the beginning of that book of Psalms, Psalms 4, 5, 6, and you will see some notes at the top of each of those Psalms that help us know that these prayers were actually sung, and they were a part of the worship, and they were a part of Jesus's worship. 55 of the 150 psalms have to the choir master. See that Psalm 4 to the leader with stringed instruments? The heading of Psalm 5 to the leader for the flutes. The heading of Psalm 6 to the leader with stringed instruments. To Psalm 7, which he sang, David sang. This is a part of the Hebrew worship, and they sang. And Psalm 100, turn to Psalm 100. It doesn't say they sang it, but we know, as I described to you earlier, it was an entrance song and hymn at the beginning of worship. We're going to say it again, and you may not need the book. All right? See, what, see how you do with this. Say it with me. Make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord is God. It is he that made us. We are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever. And his faithfulness to all generations. Now don't close this. You did very well, by the way. I saw that your eyes were up. So notice a couple of things. This is important for our worship. Where these psalms are, the book of Psalms, they are embedded in a story right in the middle of the story of God. A God who made us, we are his, he made us. A God who made all things, and a God who's also revealed to us. God speaks creation into being, and God longs to be known by a people. In the Old Testament, that people is, that's Israel. 
In the New Testament, the fullness of God's word comes in Jesus Christ, and the people are the church. So God's people are the people who hear God speak. They hear God's word, and they know that that word is more important than any other word. And so that word takes precedence over every other human word. It is the word that speaks life. It is the word that forms. And so when we come together for worship, at the center of our worship is the word. The word in scripture, the word proclaimed, you see it in the furniture up here. All this furniture in the chancel area is about the word and the central role of the word. The word proclaimed to us and alive for us today, the word in sacrament, in baptism, and in communion. And all of these point to Jesus Christ, who is the word. We do not have worship without this story, God's story, forming and shaping us into a God-centered life that looks like Jesus Christ. And there's another important piece of this, the way the Psalms come to us, and the purpose of the Psalms are to help us live that answering life to God's speech. And it happens in community. Yes, you can worship on your own, and yes, you should be in prayer all the time in terms of our responsiveness to God. But we are worshiping people. We are dependent upon one another to give that response to God. And corporate worship is absolutely essential central part of it. It was for Jesus too. In fact, I want to tell you something that may make you squirm. You are the choir. Not because you have a good voice, but because our job in our life is to sing together, learn a rhythm and harmonies together as a community, which is not easy for us to do. And we need the one another to be that choir. That is so countercultural, but it is so central to what worship is about. Yes, God calls us by name, but God works with us and through us as a people, as a community. I was in conversation with a woman recently who lives in San Anselmo, where I was just taking some classes last month. And she was saying to me, you know, I used to be very involved at the Presbyterian Church there when my kids were growing up. I was, we were, my husband and I, we were both on session, and she was giving me this whole litany of how involved she had been at the church. And then she proceeded to say, well, I don't really go now. Um, she doesn't go to worship at all. And her phrase was, my, for my spirituality, I don't really need that right now. But I would say to you, that without the community gathered around the word and without both the accountability and the support of the community, we are formed by our culture of narcissism. We are formed by marketing. We are formed by our sinfulness. Without this context and content that we need regularly, Jesus needed it regularly, to live a response to God. So we are going to join our voices together. One of the things I love about good um, worship songs are that they reaffirm the hour and the we, and it's not just I. I love you, God. I worship you, but it's also we and our. So let's stand and sing hymn number 10. 
can't remember the title of it. Oh, worship.